Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of For Your Run. My name is Sean. I am joined by the ever wonderful, dazzling ball of light and dazzling. joy. Wow! Where? Hi, I made Hi. it. Dazzle and all. Dazzle, dazzle. Uh, convenient shift from dazzle. We're going to speak to someone who, uh, in the dazzle form, sweats salt just like you and I do, Blair. I know, crystallized forms yeah, of it, right? We yeah. are talking to Brie today. You know her on IG as Dr. underscore Brie underscore runs. She does all sorts of wonderful things in the world of running. One, she's a physical therapist. Two, she is a run coach. Three, she is in fact a runner. She checks all the boxes. All, all of the them. Things. Yep. Yeah. Um, she is the owner of Injure Performance Training. That is where you could find her for all things coaching. Yes. She has tons of wonderful tips in the form of coaching, in the form of mental health, in the yep. form of PT, and healing, and nutrition. Of yeah, all of it. Sweat. In the <laughs> form of sweating. Um, How to manage all of those things. You know, we talked about absolutely nothing in this nothing episode. Nothing at all. No, it was real quiet. <laughs> so we will let you get right into this as she has nothing but goodness to share with you all. So onward we go to Bree. All right. And here we are with Bree. I have never, ever, ever spoken to you, Bree. So this is the first time I'm talking to you. Hello, yes. it's nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, you don't you and Blair have zero relationship either. Um, <laughs> you, you guys never talk. Um, so I will introduce you to Blair. Just for everyone Hi, out there. Hi, nice. Hi, how are you? <laughs> they, they know each other a little bit. Um, I wanted to lead off this little conversation. Um, this is only as a result, uh, Brie, of um, when we interview people at work, I've always been very like, I think my my team has always done a good job of interviewing people. And they have this like, extensively long sheet of icebreaker questions and they always lead to some of the funniest responses and i thought it's a really fun way to kind of bring people into the pod so i love it our okay. icebreaker today is what did you want to be when you grew up what oh was the God. thing when you were a kid like and i love these answers because they are like in no way rational usually whenever we get older <laughs> yeah. Well, Blair, just <laughs> overachiever, but Bree, what, what was yours? Okay. I have a two-part answer. Perfect. So I always wrote on like my projects growing up when they would ask this question that I wanted to be an artist. Mm. Now, the funniest part of this is I can't draw like <laughs> at all. I still draw the same way I drew when I was <laughs> probably in kindergarten. <laughs> so I don't know where the background of that was, but when I got a little bit older, the second thing I wanted to be was a marine biologist, which mm -hmm. I think every kid wanted to be after they went <laughs> to Amu at mm -hmm. Worlds. That's all right. That's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> My son's best friend wants to be a marine biologist. He just went to SeaWorld camp. <laughs> exactly. There it is. It's still happening. Mm -hmm. Many years later, it's still happening. <laughs> So yeah, there's my, there's my two part, but I'm very not artistic. So that, 
that just still cracks me up. I think it is funny. <laughs> well, now I have to know, Blair, what was your realistic? I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was real. Hmm. I was very like interested in being a doctor and being with children specifically. I spent a lot of volunteer hours in high school at a pediatrician's office. And then I went to college and found out I'm really bad at organic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? Yeah. <laughs> Real bad. Like, yeah. yeah, tutoring and all the things. It didn't help. I was like, well, this isn't for me. <laughs> so I'm a speech therapist instead, using my benefits of communication <laughs> to go. good use. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So to the exact opposite of you, Brie, I have progressed in my artistic abilities from kindergarten, which is a very good thing for me because that's the thing I do in life. Um, I, I think the later on I got into like elementary school, I had some friends, we would like draw cars and design stuff. So I knew I wanted to design stuff mostly more than anything though, is the exact opposite version of this answer, which is I knew what I didn't want to do. Oh, that's true. Um, but like, so my dad was more like a laborer. He worked at a stone quarry, did lots of shoveling and all kinds of stuff, way too many hours of the day and would come home very grumpy and sore. And all I know is from like seven or eight on, I was like, whatever that is, <laughs> I don't want to do it. I'm not in, not I'm not in with that. Um, <laughs> Cause like even three hours of like raking the yard for me oh. was like, I think I'm going to die. It is um, so hard. Yeah. Like that Those fields are so hard. I always yes. am curious how they manage to do all of it. It's, yeah. it's a lot yeah. of yeah. hard work. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully I would say that both you and Blair have found your, I would say so-called niches in life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that leads us into a, an actual real question of, so you're a PT, yes. you're a run coach. Yes. I'm curious, um, how difficult is it to, in some cases, be effectively your own PT? Like, do you have the, the internal conflicts that so many of us have of like, well, this hurts, but I'm just going to, it's probably nothing, which is right. The worst thing a runner does is it's probably nothing. And upon saying those words to anyone that actually knows things about the human body, they go, actually, that's a lot of something and you've been ignoring it for months. And now it's a whole, whole lot of something. So what's that like? And how is all of this going for you? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to being a PT, sometimes you definitely overthink everything. I would say, especially when I was in PT school and that's when I started running, yeah. it was like this conflict where I would just be overthinking every little thing. Um, I've gotten better as I've gotten older and I'll obviously more experienced in both sides of it. Um, but I definitely have said the words, do as I say, not as I do. That's true. And I mean, I definitely did that same thing when it came to my hip. I had a hip surgery in 2020, but prior to that, I had probably put off getting that checked for maybe five to six, seven years, like years. Yeah. Yeah, I just came up with all other. I was like, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. And finally, one day it was just like a light bulb in my head. I was like, it's your hip. You need to go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was even going to joke when you when you said that I was like. I wonder what it's like to have your brain effectively be 
the in-person version of online WebMD, where everyone <laughs> WebMDs themselves and they're like, oh, uh, well, so my shoulder itches. So according to this, I have spinal cancer. Like <laughs> um, it's probably a bit of a detriment. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. wanted to joke that I was going to lead, honestly, part of me wanted to, and I was like, this will overwhelm her so hard that I just don't <laughs> want to do it. I wanted to solely come into this, having said nothing to you and be like, hi, my name is Sean. I am six, seven and I run. Tell me everything that's wrong with me. Go. Oh my gosh. No, he, <laughs> he does have, I think, real questions because he's oh, been through a journey of it, given yeah. his height and like yeah. body mechanics like it's different mm -hmm. when you're six no, foot seven 100 <laughs> percent different and yeah i'm sure you have your own challenges I've, i can't I've, say i would know everything wrong with yeah. you so. uh, well that's yeah, yeah i'm meeting you that today was, on zoom yeah that wanted that's basically down, the joke, right? like, yeah uh, i'm gonna talk to you like this first um i've come to the conclusion brie that um for lack of better medical terms, I am now viewing my glutes as effectively a nuclear reactor. They have to be <laughs> the strongest thing in my body. Um, and I've had a couple of PTs um, speak to just kind of how stinking important the glutes are. They're, they're not everything, yeah. but if you've got back stuff or hamstring stuff or calf stuff or sometimes plantar stuff, or IT stuff or hips, or <laughs> I'm just going to list every single piece of the body. Uh, if, if your thumbs have problems, maybe it's your glute. Um, maybe it's your glute. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you know, I've had plenty of calf issues, plenty of, um, I, I will not go into the whole dialogue of my injuries, but I put a dirt bike in my leg when I was 15 and oh, messed up a quad. Um, oh, no. So I, you know, I, I definitely have, learned that I need to do lots of glute work. And as Blair is so intimately aware of now, I need to just do, um, calf raises, um, at all hours and seconds of the day. <laughs> so. I actually have a history of calf issues myself, so I can relate to that, but well, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you go to college, you, I, I did want to give a small shout out. I was going to lead also with just saying we are and then let you. Penn State. Uh -huh. okay. <laughs> um, I did not go to Penn State, but I, I grew up in Pennsylvania and oh, nice. I was far more interested in Penn State than I was in Pitt. So Penn State's like my, you know, pseudo. Um, I'll pretend like I went there and Perfect. integrate perfectly with the student body. But um, right. we, we love all. <laughs> yes. So you started there, then yeah. your pursuits of all of your various degrees lead you to plenty of places around the country. So throughout all of this, you're also running. I know that you started running a little bit also earlier than, you know, college, but so what is running like in your early life? How does that either diminish or get more prominent as you go through all of the various things that have led to you being a PT? Yeah. Um, so I actually grew up being a competitive dancer. And so I ran, I started running a little bit in high school just for fitness. But honestly, I remember still the day that I ran a mile and a half straight for the first time. And it was, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. It was on a treadmill at the gym. Like, you know, just, it was, yeah. I 
didn't know too much back then. And then in high school, that's when I got really into like health and fitness and decided I wanted to pursue PT for the most part. Um, and so going, honestly, if you ask any of my friends from college, they still are like, how are you like, how, what happened to switch you from like being such a, like, I mean, I was very like competitive when it came to dance and then switching over to running. It's just, it relates in some ways though, um, more than you would think, I think like, um, but anyways, when I was in PT school, that's when one of my classmates who ran for college, she basically was like, Hey, you should sign up for a half and I'll help coach you and like <laughs> teach you things. And I was like, you know, I need a goal that's other than school right now. Like I was so focused on obviously studying all the time. And I was like, I need something for me. And so that's when I started to run and really like get into it. Um, and then I took it to another level probably in like 2017, 2018, right after I got married, that was when I decided that I like really loved it and wanted to pursue that BQ, um, and kind of thought like this, this is a possibility. Cause prior to that, I remember the first time I ever looked at the Boston qualifying times and I could barely run a couple miles at like a 10 minute pace. And I was like, I will never be able to run that. And then it was just this, it stuck in the back of my mind, like that whole, like that thought process of I will never like bugs me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was just something I had to prove to myself one day. I was like, you know, you're just going to go for this. Like, why can't you, why can't you never? And I was like, so I yeah. just kept chipping away and you know, it was a windy road and nothing's linear in life. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, Very well said. Yeah. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to follow that up with like a little just thought I had in that, which is I want, I think that some personality tests or something should start with, have you ever been trying to get a medical degree and started to train for a half marathon? Cause I think that would tell you so much about a person. Like, did you all do, did you have zero life and like no time to do anything and then decide you wanted to train to run 13 miles? Yeah. Oh, okay. I know a lot more about this human being now. That's a fair fact. Um, <laughs> I will not lie. I studied on the treadmill I studied while running outside. Like I would literally look at like a PowerPoint slide and then put it away and try to like memorize it in my head. And like, uh, so like I was multitasking a lot. Yes. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> I know I'm one that's very much, I don't know. I say like I'm 0% or 700%. And that's the perfect example of me being 700%. <laughs> I also love that, like, that's like the original distance, right? Like anytime we're trying to train for something, if we've never mm-hmm. run anything, we're like, you know, it would be fun as a half. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, it's like, always go, yeah, we don't do 5k, 10k <laughs> right away. It's just like straight to 13. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like if you were 16 and had the opportunity to get your learner's permit and they're like, you know how we're going to teach you how to drive? Nah. Late model racing. <laughs> We're going to put you in a stock car and you're going to figure it out. It'll be fine. No parallel parking, just 180 miles an oh, hour. It'll gosh, be fine. I'm terrible at parallel parking to this day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm glad there were no, it wasn't 180 miles or miles per hour car. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can you no, thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I dove in. <laughs> 
I think it's really like a good story for you to like share about your hip surgery, just because Mm -hmm. like it was such an impactful part of like what running turned into after that moment. So I'm not sure everybody knows like what it was and how it kind of turned into such a a great journey. Yeah. So, um, I guess we can go back like in 20, I think it was like 2018 when I really was like, I'm going to crack down and I'm going to, you know, try to get faster in the marathon. Mm -hmm. I, um, had one marathon in the fall of 2018. And then I ended up not being able to complete it because I had really bad foot pain. Um, and I'd been going through some plantar fasciitis issues with that. And then basically after that, it was just this one thing after the other on my left side, things popping up, my calf cramping, my hamstring going haywire, like my low back, like it was, it was crazy. And I was like, I'm strong. Like I work out all the time. Like I was doing my strength training religiously. Um, you know, as I graduated from, I was already graduated from PT school at that point. And like, I, so I, I knew that something was going on, but I was kind of this weird. Cause it was like playing whack-a-mole with my body. Mm-hmm. Like one thing would <laughs> pop up and I would like take care of that. And then another thing would pop up. I'm like, what is wrong? And then, like I said, I finally, like one day I was like, this is my hip and I need to get this figured out. Cause hips are weird. They show up in so many different ways. Like the, in now I treat hips all the time. It's kind of my specialty. So <laughs> like Doc, Dr. Shakira, <laughs> yeah, right. Hips don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so I ended up I DNF'd at Big Bear and then I tried to run Edmonton in the summer of 2019 so the next year and I had to DNF that one too because I was cramping so bad um and it was like full body cramps so that can kind of go into like fueling issues with that one mm-hmm. um and then I was training for a marathon um that did happen in 2020 but I ended up not even showing up because that's when the hip just got so bad. So I went to the doctor, they diagnosed me right away with FAI, which is femoral acetabular impingement. And it's actually more common than people realize. Um, a lot of times though, it doesn't actually correlate with pain. So you can have FAI and not have pain. And basically what FAI is, is like misshaped joint. So the doctor thought that it happened for me when I was growing up dancing, that mm-hmm. my body tried to compensate for how hypermobile I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so and basically it just overgrew. So my socket was too deep. The head of the femur wasn't, it was like flattened. It grew too much. So um, anyways, I kind of had to make the decision, like, if you want this BQ, do you keep trying to push through pain and keep trying to like train or do you fix the problem? And yes, you're going to have to wait longer, but it might be worth it in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know, a relatively young, like healthy, I might as well just get it fixed now. And then I can come back from it, you know, and train yep. and be pain-free and everything. So I did a lot of research going into the surgery because it was a big surgery. Um, I also had a labral tear on top of it. So mm-hmm. um, it they had to fix that too. And, but I, my surgeon was literally a blessing. Like she was the best. She had a 30, like nine page protocol for right after the surgery, which the PC and me absolutely loved. (laughs) (laughs) I, the minute she sent me that before the surgery, I was like, yes, like this, this is good. (laughs) Um, and it was tedious. I mean the recovery process. So I had the surgery in October, 2020. Um, and you were on the bike the next day. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of rules, there were like different directions. I couldn't move my leg and stuff, but, um, there was stuff I had to be doing every day PT wise. And then I ended up, I went to my own PT, like I could, I couldn't completely treat myself. Um, yeah. but it was, it was a lesson in patience for sure, because I had never been through quite this extensive of a injury before. Um, it definitely gave like opened my eyes even more to my patients. I mean, being on the other side of it taught me a lot. Um, and then I basically just trained myself back all the way and to the BQ, which was mm-hmm. almost exactly one year after the surgery, which was pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really, really cool. I, when you were talking about whack-a-mole and everything hurting, I was thinking in my head, like, why did Blair send her my entire bio? This is incredibly rude. Um, um, What I did want to ask you in real talk is, as you spoke through all of those things, do you, I'm, I'm just really curious, do you find that you tend to thrive more in, I have a setback and I'm coming back from this setback or everything feels great. And I want to ask more of myself, do you find that you're stronger or weaker in either of those two places? Cause I, as you were talking through that, I was like, my inner being was very much like a big setback sounds really fun right now. Like, you know, like, uh, like the chips are against you kind of thing. I think my body typically in the past has responded very well when it's like, everything's actually going really badly. And now is an opportunity for me to like dedicate myself to something. Whereas, and I've, I've spoken to Blair about this a little bit. Like, I think the place that I'm trying to unlock in my running is, Oh, I actually feel good. And maybe I should believe in myself a little bit more. Do you find one or uh, either of those being easier or harder for you? I would say mentally, probably the second option. So um, is harder for me because yeah, yeah, with the comeback and at least when it came to the surgery and everything, like I knew what I had to do in a sense to get back. Right. So Mm -hmm. I always had, as long as I have some type of goal, like I need to do X, Y, Z this week. I like the training process or the recovery process that way. Like it gives me something to focus on, um, little goals, little stepping stones at a time Mm -hmm. chipping away at that is, is yeah. Like not, I wouldn't say easy, but uh, mentally I do better that way. Um, I will say, yeah, when it's, almost like now, um, it is a little tough because I'm, I'm in this weird position where I'm like, now what do I do? Like, I want to keep obviously training and I love running so much and coaching and everything. Like I'm going to continue to chip away at what I can, but it's almost like I need some type of goal in my mind to like keep, I don't know, chipping away at it, I guess is the best way to put it. But yeah. So I will say like, I mean, not that like the surgery recovery was enjoyable or easy sure. at all, but it was its own journey and ups and downs, but, um, I knew what I had to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I do that. I think we're describing how my brain unpacks all of that stuff too. I think in some ways it's, um, coming back from an injury or coming back from a setback, like there's, 
a little bit more of a padded floor because there's a little bit more of like the empathy of like you expect there to possibly be setbacks in a recovery. Yeah. Whereas like when you're feeling really good and now you're like, oh, I wonder, I think I could be X amount of time faster. That's you setting an expectation for yourself, which yeah. is way different than someone being like, if this step doesn't work, you can revert to this step. Whereas, I mean, and Blair, you probably can speak to this too. You both do run coaching. Like that, the, the inner run coach in you is probably in some way helpful in that context of like, if a, if a run doesn't go well, you maybe are uh, a bit more equipped to understand what a step back looks like rather than just like, oh, I guess I can't. I think we both say we're, we definitely still struggle with like, um, feeling like we can't do it, you know, like, I I think that's just like human nature for anybody, even if you are a run coach to have a not great run to be like, well, this is an indicator that I can't, (laughs) I can't do something. Yeah. Um, I was going to say too, like, I think that's why we both have coaches as well. Right. uh So you have someone else that looks at it without bias or, you know, fighting yourself mentally, like all of that. It's just, it's helpful to have someone outside of your brain. When I was like recovering from the surgery too, like I did have a PT that I worked mm-hmm. with outside and it wasn't where I worked. Like I made sure it was like completely separate. Um, I didn't yeah. know her through work, but she wasn't at my same clinic or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really helpful to just be able to come in and be like, okay, I can put this aside. I am a patient right now. I am not a PT and -hmm. kind of same with like coaching. Like I, you know, it's like, I am the runner. I am not the coach and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, I think it, you both kind of spoke to it really well there. I think there's almost this, like a lot of people on IG that speak to what they love about their run coach. I think they're always just like, I'm so grateful for that person. But I think part of it that kind of goes um, possibly is missed is that the reason you're so grateful for a coach is it does take, you know, so right now, Blair run coach, she's somewhere on the squares. I keep pointing out. She's probably <laughs> I mean, like, I am um, above you on my screen. <laughs> likewise. Um, but you know, if it was just me right now, I've got mild plantar stuff. So I, I, I know there are things I need to do, but if I'm letting only my brain be my own run coach, I would be like, well, run more miles and just do a little bit more PT work and it'll probably iron itself out. <laughs> it's fine. Whereas if I have a conversation, I I'm telling Blair about this problem I have and I was like, I think I was trying to describe it to her as I wanted to describe it to myself. And then like after describing it, I was like, oh yeah. And there's this other part. Wait, I feel like that part's way more important than all of the other parts I told you because Blair was like, well, I think you could still do this. And then I said this other thing and she's like, no, you should probably ride the bike. And I was like, ah, right, right. So like, welcome to being a PT. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And getting the like, subjective like history from patients mm-hmm. will be like oh I don't know they come in for like an ankle yeah. uh-huh. like any other injuries and they're like oh no I'm fine and then like 10 minutes later they're like oh well I broke my ankle in three different places <laughs> like a year ago <laughs> yes. yeah uh-huh. okay 
Yes. We could have started with that. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. a note for everyone listening there. When you go see your PT, just tell them up front. <laughs> yeah. Give it all to us. Just we need all, all the history info. and then explain what you're there for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, that a hundred percent, I've told Autumn a dozen times by now, there have been a good handful of times already just in like my build back from COVID and stuff where like hmm. my inner beings like, well, feeling really good. So next week's 15 miles and then Blair will <laughs> yeah, give me my schedule and she's like eight, it's eight <laughs> miles. And I'm like, only eight, I could do double that. And upon finishing the eight, I'm like, I'm dead. I'm tired. <laughs> um, oh, look at that. Run coach was accurate. That's something. Um, right. What you so, could and what you should do are two different things. Yeah. And right. I think that's where a run coach is so important because if mm-hmm. it's only your brain, like, I, I've told a lot of people this, especially through COVID and especially through a lot of other things. I think the greatest and worst attribute of humans is our body's desire and ability to adapt because it allows us to justify just about anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's great, but it's also very bad. Like you can be in a super bad situation and your body can find some adrenaline or something to get you through that, which is right. good. Mm-hmm. But on the back burner is also, wow, I felt really good after this seven mile run. So I should run 12. That is not <laughs> rational. I feel like we should recheck your runner's math. No. <laughs> but it's that thing. It's like, you kind of want yeah. to get to the next hurdle in your mind so badly that you'll, you'll possibly be willing to do a couple of shortcuts along the yeah. way in there where a run coach is like, no, there, there are actually many walls between you and that place you want to get to. Yeah. They're looking at it more objectively and without that. Yeah. Kind of mental bias. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm very appreciative of Brie because I don't, I'm not interested in planning anything for myself. Like when things go awry, like she's very flexible to like get things where it needs to be to fit what chaos is happening in my house. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for her. Oh, no problem. I never mind switching things around. <laughs> I'm like always like, Hey, it's me again. <laughs> surprise. Today didn't go well. <laughs> like Brie, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if one day I got a text from Blair that was like, Hey, so, um, and this is how she would say this. I want to preface this with Blair is awesome, but this is how this text would go. Hey, um, so a volcano popped up in my backyard and there's a tornado. Uh, so I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to be able to talk on the pod today. Not, I can't do it. She'd be like, so a volcano popped up and there's a tornado and I'm not sure if I'll be able. And was, <laughs> not sure if I'll be able to get that run. And I'm like, today. Blair, I think there's a definitive no. <laughs> in there. Yes. Well, it's okay. It's I am I the am. same way, which is why Blair and I love each other so much. I love it. Well, I think I'm like, how many things can I juggle and yes. still show up? Yeah. Yeah. I'm right yeah. there with you. Yeah. I was juggling four chainsaws and I've lost one arm, but I think I could take <laughs> a fifth chainsaw. <laughs> I'll take yours too. Yeah. yeah. If you could just give me yours, I'll be great. <laughs> um, so to, to circle back to the injuries, to your hip stuff, to those marathons prior to getting a BQ, mm-hmm. um, so you said there were lots of moments where your brain is like, Oh, it's something else. Oh, it's something else. Oh, it's something else. So what is it like? I guess, how do you handle, um, 
those races where you really are going all in mm -hmm. and things aren't working out. And then I, you know, for me, that would be not just like erasing bits and pieces of a chalkboard. It'd be like, get a whole new chalkboard, start all <laughs> over. Um, but you, you have a series of those. And I, I can imagine that's not entirely uh, the simplest thing in the world to have yeah. a goal and continue not just not hitting it, but have your body be like, oh, actually just uh, no, a whole big no altogether. Um, how do you step through those things? And then I won't, I won't make this a four-part question, just a two-part question. <laughs> um, how do you think that's made you a better runner coming out of those things? Ooh, good question. Um, it definitely wasn't easy. Um, you kind of, or I, I questioned myself a lot, right? Like, am I built for this? Am I able to do this? Like, is this goal too much? Like, I mean, everything hit, um, especially I will say like the first DNF hurt, like it, it wasn't easy to decide, but when it, I hit like mile I think it was 11. It was before the halfway point. And I just felt like my foot was killing me. My quads were already done. I was like, I, I could tell I was compensating, right. I'm putting more weight into the other leg. So that leg's like already super sore. And I'm like, okay, this is not, I just knew it wasn't smart to continue. I was like, you're literally going to tear your entire body apart just across that finish line. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I had completed marathons before. So it was like, I'm not, doing this just to complete it. I'm doing it for performance too. So it was kind of, I wanted to save my body so I could like continue to train. Mm -hmm. So that was my thought process for the first, <laughs> the first one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and then the second time in Edmonton, when I started cramping, that really was a, it took me a long time to figure that one out. Um, and I think part of it again was still like, mechanics weren't great, but actually that one was more fueling. Um, looking back, I overly hydrated. I did that whole, like drinking too much water, flush out all the electrolytes. And it was a, it was a humid day. So I was sweating from, you know, the first mile and just losing even more sodium. And at that point I didn't know that I needed to take salt tabs or anything like that. Um, and I mean, I still did the gels, but the gels I was using didn't have enough sodium for me. Um, it was this whole big learning process, but anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, that was tough too. And I mean, like I said, I questioned myself. I mean, how do you not after mm -hmm. two DNFs yeah. and one DNS, like, yeah. it's like, do I even try to ever complete a marathon again? But again, that's the stubbornness in me and kind of that same, <laughs> that same person that decided to get her doctorate and run a half marathon for the first time came out <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> okay, I have to prove to myself that I can do this. So let's just take a step back. It might take a while, but we'll figure it out. Um, and that just made when I did finally get it, like mm -hmm. the process so much sweeter. Like mm -hmm. it was just, it was like incredible to finally be like, okay, like all that work for the last, you know, four or five years pays off, like it paid off in tenfolds. And it just, it proves to you that you can really, you can do hard things. Right. And like, just not give up on yourself. That's the biggest thing. Like I, it was, it was hard. And there were moments that I doubted, but I never fully gave up on myself, mm -hmm. like never. So I can honestly say that. Um, and getting to the point of finally getting that Boston qualifying time was, it was just so, 
it was amazing in so many different ways. Like it wasn't even the running at that point. Right. It was just proving to yourself that, you you know, you can do what you Mm -hmm. think might be impossible if you just put in the work and you're patient. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite parts is like when you got to be part of that commercial. Oh yeah. (laughs) That is the coolest thing. And I don't know if everybody knows, but like, it was amazing. So you can share. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was the craziest thing. So earlier this year, um, I'm on Facebook and I'm part of a bunch of different Facebook running groups in mm-hmm. the area. I'm in Phoenix. And they posted that Brooks was looking for runners who were doing their first Boston Marathon. And I was like, well, that's me. <laughs> so <laughs> I sent in an application. And it was actually really funny too. Like the person that was kind of fielding the applications to Brooks ended up to be a patient at my clinic. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) That was really cool. And I didn't, and he had no say in any of the Brooks stuff, but it was just this, it was just funny how things worked out. And so basically I applied, didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was Mm -hmm. just kind of a, Brooks is looking for people. Do you want to be part of this project is what they kept calling it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, why not? I love Brooks. I run in them all the time. So, yeah. um, and then I applied and they asked if I could interview. And so I ended up doing like a 45 minute interview with the director and just, you know, I was, again, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I was like, I'm just going to be myself. I mean, he asked me, I remember one question was like, what's your morning routine? Like, and I was like, honestly, I sit on the couch with my coffee and my dogs and I eat a pop tart before I go run. (laughs) Not anything glamorous. I think another question he asked was like, how do you mentally prepare for a race? And I was like, I'd love to say that I sit there and I meditate and Mm -hmm. I every, and I'm like, but I don't, I'm just, you know, I'm human. I get my life together and get as prepared as possible. But, um, and then I just go out, but it was, it was cool. So, um, after all that, they called and they were like, yeah, we want you in this. Like you're one of three other people that are going to be in it. And, um, I was like, okay, like, what do we do? And they're like, oh, well, next week we're going to shoot you at the, like, do a shooting at the, um, that sounds bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> a video <laughs> shoot. A video shoot. Video shoot. Video shoot. <laughs> video shoot. Oh my gosh. Um, but at the track and I didn't know what to expect again at all. And I show up, this is so ridiculous. So I'm like driving in and there, there are trucks. There are so many people. They have like full, you know, camera gear every like there were so many people and I just pull in and they're like how can we help you I'm like um <laughs> I think I'm, I'm Brianne Benucci <laughs> and I'm here for the Brooks and they're like oh you're the talent come on in I was like excuse me <laughs> yes what? I am <laughs> I am the talent I yeah. am you're right <laughs> oh my god I was so it was nutty so anyways we go um and we start the shoot and at that point like they just, again, they're only telling me like, they, I kept asking a couple of times, like, where is this going to be? And they kind of wouldn't answer. They would kind of beat around the bush. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop asking questions and just let it ride. Like, this is fun. Who cares? Um, and that's when obviously during the video shoot, they surprised me with Des Linden. Mild surprise. So cool though. The commercial's so cool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah, it ended up to be this yeah commercial about Des surprising like us Boston marathoners that and just we were all in different places and Mm -hmm. different doing different things and she just shows up and I mean I just hear my name being called behind me and I'm like who is at this track that knows me like and I turn (laughs) around and Des is running towards me and I oh my gosh I 
and freaked out slightly. I had to stop actually the video shoot for a second because I needed water because my lips were sticking to my teeth <laughs> because my mouth got so dry from adrenaline. <laughs> um, but it was cool. And everything that just came out of it. I mean, I'm like friends with all the other people now that were in the video. We got to go to a special Brooks event when we were in Boston. They made, they made huge signs of our face. Oh, that's fun. Boston. <laughs> yeah. So when we ran by, like, I'm like looking at like the Brooks tent with like my face up and I'm like, that's what so is cool. happening? This is so, cool. <laughs> so it was like, uh, the wait was worth it. Let's just say that everything yeah. fell into place so perfectly. Um, ended up becoming friends with Des, which was cool. Like, that is so cool. We hung out yeah. a couple of times and yeah. it was just, I was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's my favorite story. So I just like to hear amazing. it again. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't mind telling it. Well, and I don't mind watching the commercial over and over again because your reaction on it is my favorite. Like everybody else, like when they should, when Des shows up and you guys are all like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. as you should be. <laughs> I mean, it was so crazy. I think one of the funniest things, though, was when they asked me what I wanted at the like finish line of a marathon. And I was like, a beer. And then they brought out two beers in Brooks shoes and I got to cheers and drink a beer with Des Linden. Like, so cool. I can die now. Core memories. <laughs> Core memories made. Yeah, yeah. that is. The, yeah, that that is absolutely amazing to have all of those things come together and have that entire experience. I don't know what I would do if I saw a four foot version of my face on a course. I that think I'm it'd be fantastic. On. I'd be like, yes. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. And like, I guess, um, one of my friends was running, she was like ahead of me a bit. And she saw my face and then saw, because my family also had like shirts on. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, Brie, 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 Brie. Like, <laughs> like, they didn't know who she was, <laughs> but she like ran by. And so anyways, later on, I like put together who it was and everything. And she was like, I saw your face on course. And I was like, cool. This is crazy. So cool. Yeah. Very cool. Oh. I, I don't know why I was having flashbacks to there's some Will Ferrell movie where, where Will Ferrell's like, I know them. Like, <laughs> I could just see her watch. Like, like, wait, I know her. I know that's yeah. That's my friend. They're like, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It was so funny, but they were so the Brooks was, they were so nice and so welcoming. They let my family like come to their um, tent at mile 18 and just Aww. hang out and cheer from there, which was really, really cool. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, their first time yeah. obviously being at Boston too. Mm-hmm. And it was an event for all of us. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's um, a great story. Like small side note question wise to that, like how, how many conversations did you have to have with your family before they like fully understood what Boston is and context? Like, Cause there's a lot, right. There's even when I told my dad, I was going to run a marathon for the first time. I had to tell him just the mileage. Even he kept like, he would see friends and he'd be like, I saw John the other day and told him you were going to run. What was it? 14 miles. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, no, it's 26. And he goes 26. And I'm like, I've told this to you nine times. Like you, you know, but so yeah. Did it take like a little bit for them to kind of get the whole big picture of this thing? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, it took years. I mean, my whole training time, like, um, getting, I mean, they were always supportive. Like, let me start out with that. Like my family, my husband, like everyone was always so supportive, but 
they didn't understand like mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. um how much it meant to me for a while I think mm-hmm. and they they definitely figured it out when you know I would you know, sacrifice a lot of time and, you know, events and things to go run and get my runs in and like how important it was. Um, but then I think once they were not, I think I know once they were at Boston and they saw like the whole experience and everything, like they were, they all, it it hit, like they knew how big of a deal it was and how much it meant to me and everything, but no, it's, it's really hard to I mean, gosh, even my poor husband, like, I'm sure you guys can relate to this and like your significant others, like, and how much they have to sacrifice too, when you're training that hard. I mean, I was doing 70 mile weeks leading up to Boston and it was a lot of time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, my husband took up a lot of the slack, you know, we don't have kids, but we got the two pups yep. and, yep. you know, yeah. full-time jobs, our apartment, yep. the coaching, like I was, I was maxed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm so thankful that he was willing to take up as much as he did. Um, but I'm, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pass me that it was a lot for sure. So I'm very grateful that way. Yeah. Um, I was talking, uh, with my mom about a week ago and it's been three years, two and a half years now, since I ran my like first marathon. And Mm -hmm. she, she said something just the other day that, I thought was very cool because I, I never fully was like, I wonder if she really, I mean, to say you're running 26 miles to anyone sounds like, why are you doing this? That's really far. Are you that stupid? What, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> why are you, killing are and, you okay? <laughs> yeah. And so for my two longest runs, one of them, my mom met me and one of them, my dad met me halfway to like, give me a new bottle, say like, are you dead? Like, you know. <laughs> and the first one was my mom. And so I met her at mile 11 to turn around and go back to get 22. And I never really like sat with it and was like, I wonder if she like understood like, you know, how hard that is. Mm -hmm. And the other day she was like, yeah, I remember I saw Sean and I had these bottles and it was after 11 miles and he didn't look very good. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I didn't feel very good either. Yeah. And and she was like, you were already fully sweat, like your whole kit, your shirt, your shorts, your socks, your hat, everything was already over. Like there was nothing left to be sweaty. Oh, yeah. And then I had to give you your next round of stuff and say, now go do that again. So it was just nice. Right. Like it's it's very gratifying whenever people around you can have at least a little bit of context of like. Oh, I saw him at 11 and he still had 11 more. And I thought that he looked like he was done. Like, you know, like he looked like a fully cooked Thanksgiving turkey and then he had to go to 11 more. Um, So that was, that was cool. But that's, yeah, I, I think it's very awesome. Like maybe in a roundabout way, that's the, I don't know, cool quote unquote, cool part about how many, DNFs and DNSs there were ahead of Boston, like it probably further compounds with your family, how difficult this is, how hard it was to get there. And then it makes being at the Brooks tent on mile 18 of Boston, even a bit more profound whenever it does happen. So it's kind of cool how that all stacks up. No, you're, you're right. It really was. And I just like thinking back, I mean, I love my mother to death. She is my number. Like she is my sidekick in life. I, but she, 
the amount of times I would call her and be like, I am so tired. And so uh-huh. she's like, why don't you just rest? Why don't you just stop? Yeah. Oh, my mom yeah, says okay. the same thing. You should just not do it then. <laughs> yes, I'm like, I don't want to hear that mom. I need you to exactly. tell me to do it. Exactly. And the amount of times we have that same conversation yeah. and it gets so frustrating. I'm like, you mm-hmm. don't understand. Like the yeah. point is to run on tired legs. Like I got to yeah. keep going. And yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I can relate a hundred percent. I think she said that this morning. (laughs) (laughs) She was Uh, like, what are you doing? You should be resting. I'm like, no, mom. (laughs) An option, mom. (laughs) Long answer. Mom, let me help you. This is what I want you to say. Let's role play. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. But it was funny because actually even a couple it was just a couple of nights ago. Um, my husband brought out some photos from Boston and he, mm-hmm. I think is the one that really obviously saw, yeah. I mean, he was there to pick me up at mile 20 of the first marathon I DNF'd. He was there. I'm going to cry. He was there to like take off my shoes when I was like crying and cramping and couldn't yeah. get my shoes off after yeah. Edmonton. And like, he was showing someone these pictures of me smiling at Boston. He's like, I've never seen you like run a marathon with that much joy mm-hmm. so yeah cool. yeah your boston yeah. photos are amazing uh-huh. they yeah. really are High yeah quality. and i love like there's so <laughs> yeah. many of them and i love the breakdown of the experience because like it was so much work to get there and it really was just like an entire like journey of joy like full joy <laughs> and you could just see it i will yeah. say i made the decision around it was like mile eight mm-hmm. and i was like because i was honestly leading up to it, I didn't know how hard I wanted to run Boston. Right. Like, do I want to like go out? Like, obviously everyone wants a PR on a good trip, right? but I wanted to enjoy the experience Mm -hmm. and not come out of it. So dead that I don't even remember going down Boylston, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was around mile eight. I was like, I'm going to run this hard, but not sacrifice the experience. Mm -hmm. So I made, I was like, I'm putting a smile on my face this entire run. And Mm -hmm. I did. And you did even like those last, the last mile and a half, I mean, an any marathon, right. It's, it's hard. It's never going to be easy. And I remember making that last like turn and they don't tell you that it's uphill. (laughs) (laughs) I forget that part. (laughs) Yeah. You forget that. And like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so like, obviously my legs are done. Like I live in Phoenix. It's not that hilly here. And Boston is such a hilly course. And obviously you train and try to do the hills and whatnot, but there's nothing then like, like doing it. Um, but it was, it was just so much sweeter too to come across that finish line and be able to say that I Boston qualified in Boston while having the mm-hmm. best time. And mm-hmm. it was just like, this is, yeah, it was, it was worth it, yeah. but yeah. it yeah. was, yeah. it was not easy. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 Well, and like you said, you do live in Phoenix where it's hot, like yeah. super hot. Do you have like tips and fueling things that you have learned over time that work well for you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, it has been a learning experience. Like I said, <laughs> with the fueling, um, but I have learned that I am a salty sweater mm-hmm. and I do sweat a lot, especially like obviously during summer. So <laughs> I use scratch, um, uh-huh. and I kind of, take in more sodium and more carbs at the beginning of runs because mm-hmm. with the heat and everything, I mean, if your stomach doesn't go haywire towards the end, I think mm-hmm. you're like not human. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the beginning, I'll always drink some scratch. I take salt tabs mm-hmm. every hour. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I take two of them every hour on top of then gels every 30 minutes. And I had to switch the type of gels I used. Obviously, Morton gels are amazing. A lot of people love them. A lot of mm-hmm. elites use them. They did not have enough sodium for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to find a gel that had more sodium. So I used Huma like plus uh-huh. like extra electrolytes, so extra mm-hmm. sodium in them. And that has just been it's amazing. I used to cramp at the end of every single race I did. I mean, my calves would go, I would run in across the finish line looking like a duck because I couldn't (laughs) like move my ankles a certain way or I would cramp. So, um, anyways, just getting all that under control was big. Um, and I definitely suggest if anyone has problems when it comes to fueling their stomach isn't you know working out they're having tummy troubles um or just they're cramping or they're feeling extra fatigued things like that really hone in on that fueling you mm-hmm. need to figure it out i tell my athletes all the time you have to train your stomach like you train your the rest mm-hmm. of your body mm-hmm. um it's no no one wants to take goose or gels or any every yeah. 30 minutes they're not the most tasty things ever right. but yeah. it, the difference that it makes is huge and now there's even more research showing that taking even more carbs mm-hmm. and more sodium and stuff for i mean obviously your body but actually even helps more so mm-hmm. I'm, that's one thing I want to play around with this next cycle is trying to take in even more carbs a little bit, especially mm-hmm. in the, like the first couple hours and see how that plays a role. Cause you, obviously you're still going to be tired at the end of a marathon, right? But you don't hit that same type of wall. Mm-hmm. And that was what I really noticed when I was running Indy and got my first BQ was it was a different type of fatigue. It mm-hmm. wasn't the fatigue from not fueling and stuff like Yeah. So I would say just learn what works for your body. Everyone's different. Some people can't handle the, um, Huma gels because of the chia seeds in them. Yeah. So it's just, everyone's so different. Uh, the other thing too, when it comes to the heat is I always bring a bag of ice with a sponge and I have that at my like aid station and just sprinkling the water on top of me and just the ice, like the frozen sponge itself, like it goes a long way. So even at the track, I always have a bag of ice and just after every like interval, I'm just dumping ice on me. <laughs> but, That's a very good call. That sounds I'm, refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm taking a lot of mental notes. Um, I think I've always had this problem, Brie, but I think, I don't want to say that it's uh, specifically as a result of like a post COVID thing or anything like that, you know, there's stuff people, a lot of people have learned their bodies are just a little bit different after a bad yeah. round of COVID and something like that. But, um, the first couple of long runs I've definitely done. Um, I think some of it's heat acclimation for sure, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I crystallize like I, my face is like Salty. shiny, sparkly. <laughs> um, I, I do, uh, the last couple of miles start to flirt with cold chill stuff, which I know is like huge red flag of bad mm-hmm. news bears. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I will make the joke here that we are not officially sponsored by scratch, but we might as well <laughs> unofficially be sponsored by family. scratch. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we have so many different things of scratch in our house right now. It, it, it's been really good for our stomachs too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just started getting some electrolyte and salt tablets um, because I, I I absolutely think one of the biggest problems for me is just I run like I run low on sodium so badly. Yeah. Um, 
that it, it needs to be a much bigger piece of my prep going into a run and um, probably a, a, a pretty fundamental piece of my post uh, post-workout bits. But yeah, I, I sweat like almost, I know it's not possible for our pores to sweat just raw pieces of salt, but it certainly looks like that by the time I'm done running. Oh my gosh. You should see my seatbelt in my car. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds impressive. <laughs> oh my, it's, mm-hmm. it has, yeah, yeah it's sparkles. like got a nice white, <laughs> sparkles, like white sparkles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, and that's, that's one thing I think just in our society. Right. And like, if you don't run or do endurance, um, work that, everyone is like, Oh, you got to be careful of your sodium intake, you know, don't eat this because yes. it's high in sodium right. and all of that. And actually as runners or endurance athletes, like we, we need it. Like we mm-hmm. sweat it out so much. So it's like, um, you know, I was told to, to have a couple liquid IVs the day before I do a hard workout or hard run in the heat, because doubling up on the sodium that way will help, um, That's the next day. Um, and then when it comes to, I mean, I'm a huge fan of scratch too. And when it comes to using them, I've actually, with the last couple of marathons, I've carried a bottle of it for the first like 10 miles. And then I check the bottle, but, um, then I have it on me. And I also, then it helps too. I don't have to stop at the first couple of aid stations that mm-hmm. are usually very like packed. Congested, and, yeah. Congested, yeah. So, um, it's a, it helps a lot. Like I even, I tell my athletes a lot of times, like just carry a bottle that you can throw out or like, you don't mind getting rid of, um, and just use it for the first half and, or 10 miles, whatever you need. And it, it helps a lot. Yeah. Have you used, I haven't yet. Uh, my wife has, have you used their super fuel? I haven't. I've looked into it though. I want to try okay. it. Yeah. Um, autumn has her, her stomach's a little more uh, talkative than my stomach is on runs. And so much so that she was at a place where she was more like the slosh and spit method with, uh, Mm -hmm. taking in beverages because her stomach just really wasn't very cooperative, but the super fuel she can like actually take in and digest and it's been good for her stomach. So I'm excited to try it. Um, the next time that I can get out for some, some longer runs, but yeah, I mean, I have learned so much just in the last couple of months, really just about the whole journey. So it's, it's always good to hear uh, perspective to underscore your own perspective, but yeah, I, I think I need to be a lot more mindful of salt intake and the liquid IV thing the day before, I think is a really awesome perspective on that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, especially in the heat, like we all need to adjust for summer. Right. And um, I think, prepping the day before is really important. And we kind of forget about that. Right. We always just do the, Oh, let's eat the carbs for dinner the night before, but actually the right. whole day before the two days before a hard long run, it, you need to be fueling properly and make sure that you're taking in enough fluids and enough electrolytes. Don't do what I did in Edmonton and just drink a crap ton of water the day before because (laughs) you'll just flush out everything. I mean, it was to the point where my forearms were cramping and I was like, you're not even working. Like what's going on? (laughs) Get out of the party. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Brie, you know why your forearms are cramping? Your glutes. It was just your glutes. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly your glutes were not fired. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was so um, great. Um, no, I, I think too that I was actually going to say that. I, I think that that point you made in the earlier part of the podcast of not just drinking way too much water is something that I think maybe a lot of people might glance right over. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know the day, the two days leading up to when I ran Chicago, um, thankfully I think I was, I had had some, some Gatorade and stuff like that, but I was like, give me another bottle, like more water, more water, more water. And that's, yeah. If you don't pay attention, you can just clear out everything out that you're trying to build to give you the base to go tackle the miles. So that that's a very good point. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of, at least for me, I always think like, Oh, that won't happen to me. Uh (laughs) Uh Stop thinking that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, okay. So uh, if you at this point, Bree, want to, we have a couple of like wrappy up questions that I want to get into the PT area on with you. So if, if, yeah. if at any point you want to hit a button that starts charging me for the hour, um, <laughs> do that. Um, it's more so I think just broad question stuff that maybe can be informative for some people out there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I kind of just want to ask, and it just so happens that I've had all of these, but I think it's cause I've had pretty much most of the injuries that are supposed to become to come along with running. But, um, whenever you see people, we'll, we'll start from baby, you know, the foot level and, and not, you know, we're not going to go way in deep on this stuff, but, um, okay. for people that have plantar traditional plantar issues, mm-hmm. what is like, what are some tips that, you know, not like, you know, come in and get a full session workup, but what are some yeah. helpful tips that you might give somebody that's, that's dealing with plantar on and off? Um, so definitely working on the calves, uh, a lot of times people will be so tight and not just, so your calves are made up of your gastroc or your gastrocnemius and then your soleus. Um, and people kind of forget or overlook soleus a lot, but it's really important for, um, us as runners. And so basically just mobilizing those. So massage, I mean, using the massage gun, the foam roller, lacrosse ball, anything to mobilize that way. And not just stretching because like stretching, stretching can help plantar fasciitis, but it can also hurt it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I've seen it with both cases, um, in patients, it's very, finicky. And so basically, um, the, of the like rolling out and the mobility work in the calf goes a long way. Um, and then also just strengthening, I won't say glutes, um, uh, some of the ankle stabilizers there's, you know, your ankle moves in all different directions. It's a pretty complex, uh, joint and, getting stronger in all aspects of it can also go a long way. A lot of people are really weak in their post-tib or posterior tibialis. Um, and that gets overlooked a lot. And then last thing is shoe wear, um, no one shoe fits all and you have to figure out what shoe is best for you. And it's a process. Like when I had plantar fasciitis myself, this is actually kind of a funny story, but I was working on Nantucket so it was this small little island off of Massachusetts. And I was literally one of two PT like clinic <laughs> on the island. And we, I didn't have a lot of resources, right? Like I was yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> so um, the amount of shoes I ordered to that island to try on <laughs> is like ridiculous. <laughs> like thank God for returns because yeah. I ordered so many, but finding the right shoes that work and having a shoe rotation really, really helped me. Um, I used to just run in the same shoe all the time, but then I actually switched it up and I, I run in one stability and one neutral shoe. So I even switched the type of shoes Um, and more and more research is showing that you 
can really reduce your risk of injury by using different types of shoes and rotating between them because your um the shock absorption is different depending on what you're using so um i am a big fan of the shoe rotation and trying different things i run in hoka arahis which is stability and then i run a lot in brooks ghosts or brooks glycerin which are neutral um so just trying and they're very different shoes different Mm -hmm. heel drops different stack heights like everything is different so yeah I was in the, my, uh, what we'll call just like, I'm not even about to say like Dax Shepard has the armchair perspective, but like the, the non PT perspective, just for the sake of not stealing a thing. No. Um, whenever I do single foot stability, like mm-hmm. my thing for everybody, I think would be, I almost feel like all the tendons in your feet are almost like firing like pistons while you're trying to stabilize. Mm-hmm. And I think that, right. Like to your point, I think that's something that's really indicative. Like if you're trying to stabilize the next time anyone out there is trying to do like a single foot, anything, pay attention to how much the top of your ankle flexes or your big toe tries to push down or your pinky toes working. And just think about all the things you're feeling under your foot. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on under your foot to keep you standing on one foot. Yeah. No, 100%. And running is basically jumping from one foot to the other for a very long period of time. Right. right. So um, <laughs> we have to be strong. And yeah, I would say too, especially when it comes to plantar fasciitis, go see a PT sooner rather than later. Um, if you let it go too long, it can be a pain in the butt and very painful to get rid of. Um, so go, go see a PT, please. <laughs> Yeah. You save a lot of time. <laughs> I think you're right in saying that it's finicky, right? You do some things that like make it feel like it's better. And then like a day you wake up and it's not. So exactly. it's definitely something that can be challenging yeah. to work through if you wait too long. Yeah. And it is even from a provider perspective, yeah. like treating patients with it. Everyone mm-hmm. is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, one person stretching works and one person, it makes it worse. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I've come to the conclusion through one, I have a wonderful massage therapist who gets excited when she sees me because she's like, a lot of people are just coming in to get like the mental stress relief of a massage. And she's like, you're one of like, she's like, you're like the 2% that I get to see that are coming in for like, this is what I'm doing. This is how much load I'm putting on my body. Yeah. And she's like, I get to go home and try to learn more about what's going on with you so that we can figure it out. But I've come to definitely understand that I don't really have, uh, for, I, maybe you'll get this. Uh, she, she described it to me this way. My tendons and my muscles are more like Velcro rather than like nice, smooth Mm -hmm. tendons. Mm -hmm. Um, my muscles just tend to be tighter. Uh, I think I've inherited that from my dad. Like my dad has never gotten a massage in his life. If I like touch his shoulder, it's like, is that a stone or is that his <laughs> shoulder? Um, but so my body just runs tight, but I, so in some way she was like overstretching to your point, Brie with mm-hmm. uh, plantar might be really bad for you. Cause mm-hmm. if your tendons are tight, if you're just going to overstretch your plantar, so on it, yeah, probably going to really piss it off. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the good thing for me was I used to get um, big balls of angry muscle tissue closer to the skin level. And she was mm-hmm. like, well, if nothing else, 
you don't have those. Your, your calves have gotten a lot stronger. There's more like stuff really in deep tissue. She's like, so you have made things stronger. So she was like, just make stuff even stronger than it was already strong. So, um, but this was all, that was all really, really awesome. Um, so then the, just kind of the last point, I think a lot of people have is either the IT just all the way up and down the lakes. But I also know like IT kind of does like do like kind of a 90 or 180 degree turn in your glutes too, right? Like there's a little extra piece of your IT that yeah. can can make it feel like you have um, hip problems, which, right? Like maybe to your point before you kind of were like, I think I actually have a problem that needs to be medically, surgically solved. Yeah. That That was probably maybe something for you. When I Chicago trained, I like, got to a point where I just wasn't able to sleep on my right side even because I had so much inflammation, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you're over there like, dude, why weren't you seeing a PT? <laughs> um, no. But what suggestions would you have for, for people when it comes to like IT and, and some of those like hip inflammation problems? Yeah. I mean, IT band itself is not a contractile tissue. So I think that's what people like don't understand is you can't physically stretch your IT band. Um, it is just a connector. So basically you have to work all the muscles around it. Um, so when you need to, or when you're trying to get rid of like the stress of, from the IT band, you're working on your quads, your lateral, like quads, your lateral hamstrings. Um, a lot of times even adductors, which are like your inner thighs, those can get really tight. People kind of forget about those. Um, but that, I mean, if those are tight, you're pulling on different parts of the, um, femur, the hip, and basically it will, it will cause mayhem all the way around. It all connects. Yeah. Um, and then obviously in your glutes too, because it does <laughs> come around, um, <laughs> that your, it comes from your TFL, which is actually a hip flexor, but it also abducts. And basically, um, that's when it plays a role. If like your glute med or the glutes are weak, then TFL will tend to kick in even more um, and cause some issues that way with mechanics. So, and then that causes tightness, like pulling from the IT band. So anyways, long story short, basically work everything around it, work quads, work hamstrings, glutes. Um, and then again, a mix between stretching and strengthening because a lot of times muscles are weak or are tight because they're weak. Mm -hmm. And so they can't really respond to that load that they're being asked of. So getting those muscles stronger over just stretching goes a long way. Um, and that's, this is where I'll put in my shameless plug is go see a PT because you, a lot of times now you don't even need a doctor mm -hmm. referral. You don't mm -hmm. need a prescription and people don't realize that they're like, oh, okay, I need to go to my doctor first. And then right. everything. No, you can go directly to a PT. Um, I would say majority of insurances. Now you can just go directly to a PT and they will help you figure out insurance wise, or if it's cash pay, you know, like all that there's usually, but you can usually find someone that is affordable and able to help you so much. Um, you know, and like any provider, like I've heard good and bad stories about doctors, good and bad stories about dentists. There's good yep. and bad stories about PTs too. Sure. Find the one that works for you and that you connect with because that will go a long way as well. I mean, I, I love being a PT because I get to make such cool connections with my patients. I don't just mm -hmm. see them, you know, once every six to eight weeks. Like I see them a couple of times a week. I know it's a time commitment and it's, it, it, it's just that it's time and financially it's, it can be hard, but 
it will, you'll learn so much. I mean, if they're a good PT, like they will teach you how to basically treat yourself and, you know, pain management and get back to it. And so they'll teach you all those tools in the toolbox and it will help you in the future too. So take the time now and don't, don't keep putting off the injuries yeah. when they happen because otherwise you're just going to prolong the inevitable that way. Yeah. You, you, I, I thought of one thing and I want to ask you this from your perspective. I think this mm -hmm. is a fairly uncommon thing, when it, especially when it comes to PT, but uh, it kind of sparked my curiosity as you were talking through that. So I'm interested to hear whether you think this is either a very good or very not good idea. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> well, but it's, you know, a lot of runners, I think, you know, some people get out and see a massage therapist once a month, get mm -hmm. dry needling sometimes every two or three months, depending on what their load is. Um, do you think that there is any real case where there's a benefit? And I could see a lot of PTs being like, nope, don't want to do that. Like, do you think that there's a, a world where runners could like go in and be like, Hey, like once every six to eight weeks, I'm going to stop in and see my PT and like do an evaluation so they can at least be like, Hey, it looks like you're kind of getting behind on this strength. Or I know that you do like gait analysis. Like, do you think that maybe rather than wait until the thing really hurts and then you're with a PT for possibly six, 10, 12 weeks, or like, do you, do, I guess it's, do you have anyone that ever does the more proactive approach of like, just go see your PT just to do a check-in? Like, I'm not here to do the whole write-up and the whole analysis. I'm, I'm mostly here to say, I actually kind of feel good right now, but I want to make sure I continue feeling good. Is that a reality in the PT Oh my world? gosh, yes. No, it is. And I say, do it. Like, if you have the opportunity go. Um, we actually at my clinic, we offer what we call our quick fixes and they are, um, just, you know, you can pay. It's like, usually they're about 30 minutes, but you can do it like pay for every 15 minutes kind of thing. And yeah. it's basically, that's, that's what we do is we do, um, like I call them tune-ups, right? Like just mm. checking and making sure that, um, things are right, like working right. Um, if you do have anything that in the past has been an issue, maybe looking at that, looking at the gate analysis. I mean, there's so much that we can do. So I love when people are more proactive that way, because yeah. it does go a long way. Um, and yeah, basically it is a thing. I always say too, if you look at any professional or elite athletes, they're always getting body work done, mm, right? right? Like, all the time. So why, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we yeah. going and getting these tune-ups and like yeah. stuff? And I mean, obviously the answer is time, money, who's right. the provider? Like, can you find a provider? Like it takes time to figure out, you know, like who's in your area and who's going to be a good fit for you. But once you do make that call and you do it, it will, it will help with injury prevention and longevity in the sport. Um, yeah, so I definitely suggest, and that goes back to, you got direct access. Like you don't have to see a doctor before seeing a PT and we learn, we learn a lot. Like you have to have your doctorate now, um, if yeah. you want to become a physical therapist. So, yeah, yeah. um, we learn a lot in the sense of like diagnosing and looking at mechanics and everything. So, yeah. um, yeah, I yeah. think I like that you brought that up because more yeah, people I was, should be doing that. You, you were talking and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a social media post where it was like, I went and saw my PT because I felt good. <laughs> <laughs> but 
They do it for so many other things. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like every, like all the other elites and athletes, like the professionals, they, they have their own PTs, their own athletic trainers, their own massage therapists that they're seeing on like weekly basis. So yeah, we, yeah I mean, I think, and maybe it's a mindset thing too, of like your PT doesn't exist to fix you when you've broken yourself. Your PT should be in the same respect as if you have a massage therapist that you're good with, Exactly. You, you know, like your PT can become a every two month, six week friend that yeah. actually does say everything does look really good and you're, you're, everything's fine. And, and that's not a bad thing to do. I just was like, you were talking through those things and I was like, I cannot recall. I've seen so many run friends on IG that are like, I was kind of worn out this week. I, I got my massage or I saw my therapist or I, you know, like they're not going yeah. to their physical therapy. Like, put that thing in the same spectrum of just like, it's a healthy place to be. Um, because I'm, I always advocate Brie for like, if you spend small doses of money in those places strategically, you're not going to spend big money in those places in one yeah. big chunk. So no, exactly. It's going to save you money in the long run time, everything. Well, I am not going to ask you any more questions because it's <laughs> a Sunday and it's a, it's a holiday weekend. So one, I will say thank you for coming and talking with us uh, for this weekend and for giving us a little bit of uh, helpful insights into the wonderful world of PT and all of those things. Of and course. your overall story is a very cool one. <laughs> I, I really, you know, I love little statistical analytical things. And so like a thing that I think I just want to leave you with is like your Boston experience, right? So like, I think it's like 15% of people in the United States at least are more than just casual runners. And then uh -huh. of that figure, like 10% of those people like run races. Mm -hmm. And then of that figure, 4% of those people qualify for Boston. And then there's even a smaller figure, which is you, which is of that 4%, three of them qualify for Boston, get a Brooks commercial, meet Des Linden <laughs> and get to hang out with her and have her family in the Brooks tent. So like, you're a really, 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 really tight window of awesome experiences. So that's, Aww. that's a very cool thing. Well, thank you. No, I mean, everything fall into place exactly how it should. Um, I'm one big believer of everything happens for a reason. And it did in this case. I mean, you never, or you don't always know what the reason is, right? When it's happening, it can take years to figure it out. But looking back, it all happened how it should have. So I'm really happy about it. Yeah. Oh, well, for just having met you officially today, <laughs> um, I could talk to you for a whole lot longer, but I will spare everyone from that. And um, I, I look forward to whatever is next on your roadmap of all things running, your roadmap of, I saw that you, uh, to the design piece of all this, I saw that you recently rebranded your run coaching. I thought that yeah. was awesome. So congrats on that. Thank you. And um, best of luck uh, continuing to fix people and, uh, and all that. Thank you so much. No, I had a blast talking to you guys and I just really appreciate you having me. Yeah, of thank course. you so much for taking time to come on. It was great. Of course. No, yeah, mad shout out to Blair, who I know is actually <laughs> above me on Blair's screen for, for getting me to come on today. I know you guys are awesome friends. And yeah, yeah um, 
this has been great. So yeah, maybe we'll chat with you sometime down the road. Uh, yeah. Until then, best of luck with all things running, fixing, and. and <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Till next time. All right, everybody, we're back. We did it. To me <laughs> and Blair <laughs> without Brie. This week's episode is Blair and I without Brie. Um, okay, so uh, I have so many takeaways of things that she just dropped on us um, that were both one gratification of, mm-hmm. oh, I'm doing these things or starting to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, certainly hearing you know all of the difficulties and things like that she's had along the way and then to you know where she is now um you know just uh a nonchalant human that boston qualified got to meet deslinda and hang out with uh and have a huge fat head of her face on the boston marathon course just i mean that's just literally the coolest story ever it's pretty stinky cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um okay so blair Yes, Sean. I have a I have a unconventional, let's call it unconventional maybe question for you today mm-hmm. outside of the spectrum of running. So here's my question. <laughs> I don't know why this morning I was just like getting ready to eat some breakfast and I thought, do you remember in one, uh, you either were all in on this or you weren't. So TGIF. Yes. Do you remember TGIF? Like the the tv block of like family matters and all of these things i do i do i actually loved family matters that was one of my favorite shows so as you were a kid growing up was this a thing you got ready for was this like an event in your house no it was was not an event in my house okay But I did enjoy it. I I remember like looking forward to that time um, and and hoping my mom would finish dinner time before like the show started. Um, But like Family Matters was definitely my Mm -hmm. favorite. Yeah. Like show Friday night show situation. Yeah, definitely one of my favorites. So only now. And reflecting on all of this, I think it was a master stroke by my mother. She. ABC probably should have been paying her for some sort of (laughs) publication commercialization because it was like a weekly holiday basically in our house. Like I would have appreciated that. Yeah. So you, we would go up to this little like convenience store near our house. We were all allowed to like pick out a bag of chips and stuff like that. That sounds fun. Or she would make popcorn, but basically it was her opportunity to have two hours where all of us were watching TGIF and she yeah. was then having the opportunity to not yes. deal with us. Um, <laughs> but, I would like to suggest they bring that back then for current yeah, parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's, here's the thing that I think you'll enjoy. I, um, through no shame, had an extensive set of stuffed animals as a kid. I had tons of them. <laughs> and... Was there like a theme of stuffed animals or just like um, a variety of stuffed animals? Just a variety. It was a variety. Mm -hmm. But the like five, six, seven-year-old version of myself, I would bring all of them out 
from my oh, room to watch the show to watch with you? TGIF. Yes. I would yep. basically bring half of my room to the living mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. to watch TGIF. And then I'd mm-hmm. have to take them all back after yeah. TGIF. Um, but yeah, I was just like getting ready for my day over here this morning. And I was like, I wonder if TGIF was as big a deal for other people as it was for me. We like, it was, we definitely looked forward to it. Um, but there was a lot of like Friday night game night, like kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, that was like a thing in our house. We also did a lot of like sport activities. So sometimes those were where we spent some evening times. Sure. Um, but I think my mom was just thankful to make it to Friday (laughs) (laughs) most weeks between my brother and I. Um, but I know like we, like our family, we don't obviously TGIF isn't a thing, but like we definitely do like Friday movie nights Mm -hmm. and, um, our popcorn, we do popcorn, but we also put M&Ms in our popcorn. So you get like a salty sweet situation. Um, and then the, 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 female version of bringing stuffed animals i had american girl dolls oh yeah so we had like matching pajamas so i would often bring <laughs> that's cool. the chosen american girl doll with ah. matching pajamas to to do tv shows <laughs> in the evenings did you did you have like a um pseudo miss american doll universe to pick which one would get to come with you (laughs) no i think it was just like who i liked most that day (laughs) okay okay um but like it was another way my mom got me into like reading because there were like stories that had to go with each girl and her like her background and stuff like that but that was a very i vividly remember American girls and matching yeah. pajamas and television time. And we'd be together doing yeah. that. So in honor of the stuffed animals, yes, yes. <laughs> brought the dolls with me instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like because there's so much other stuff now, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I also kind of felt like I found myself this morning being like, I think there are things Certainly from generation to generation, I think kids today will probably take things that, you know, their parents do for them now Mm -hmm. as like, this was so cool, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like, I don't know, like there was just, there wasn't, I think it's probably also, but just based on where I was, like there wasn't, I wasn't like in a suburb per se. So like there wasn't a bunch of other stuff going on. It was just like you're going to watch TV and eat snacks and hang out. But Mm -hmm. it just was like this great, big, like wonderful thing. Like, you know, I mean, as I've alluded to a million times, um, I wasn't overly thrilled with like school. So I was always excited to get to Friday (laughs) and just be excited that I was done with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Currently like in spring and fall, we do, the kids do sports, but that's just my, my yeah. way of dealing with like <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> them um, since there's not so much of a TV situation. So n- summertime right now, like we do Friday, like movie because summer camp is only Monday to Thursday, but like then sure. in the fall, it's usually like Saturday is our, is our thing. Cause Friday night lights were at the football field. So yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. But we, my kids, I, we still do board games. Like they really appreciate board games. So and we're, is, we're slightly competitive in this well, household. So then the, that's a good question then too. What's, what's the board game of choice in my house right now? Yeah. Oh, they are um, really big fans of battleship. Okay. They like to like, like, yep. I'll team up with one and my husband will team up with the other and, you know, royally try to sink each other's ships. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's that one. That one's very popular. Um, Monopoly Junior has become one. So that's a nice version because it doesn't last a hundred years. Yes. The rules are a little bit different. You have right. to buy the properties. And so that one's popular. And then our third one is this game called Googly Eyes. <laughs> It's really great. So it should be played by adults as well. So you wear <laughs> you wear glasses. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's a board game and you roll the dice and there's different colored circles and the different colored circles match the different colored lenses that switch in and out of the glasses. So oh. um, you wear these glasses with these lenses that completely distort your vision and you mm-hmm. have to draw a picture for your teammate to guess. It's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> because when you put the glasses on, <laughs> you look like a giant, like cross-eyed <laughs> fly. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. So you end up just like, you look so ridiculous. Right. Like I right. have to find, there's a meme of a guy with glasses and his eyes, like, cause they're so thick mm-hmm. and they just, they look crossed and <laughs> I'm going to find it for you. But that's yes. basically what you end up looking like. Oh, and that's fantastic. Your drawings look terrible and uh-huh. you have to try and guess it before the hourglass runs out and, that's pretty it's good. A, that's a, that's their that's their third favorite. And then I I always love Uno Attack, uh-huh. and that's mm-hmm. where you have to like push the button, and it'll spit out like anywhere from zero to like thirty seven cards. Yes, yes. <laughs> so those yes. are our games that we like to play. We have other ones, but those tend to be like the favorites. So mm-hmm. especially if I can only convince the preteen to play one game. <laughs> right. Because he suddenly become too good for games. Well, I He's just, a little he bit doesn't want to spend time with us. <laughs> right. That's right. 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 I'm like, not sure as all preteens get to that point. They're like, I can yeah. only handle you for X amount of time. Well, but also like heaven forbid word get out that I spent more than 30 minutes with my <laughs> with parents. With my family this and could had a good be time. detrimental <laughs> to my entire, <laughs> my, entire my reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, oh. but I think I instilled all of that only because I loved it as like when I was mm-hmm. a kid. So yeah, yeah. Just keep no, it going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 That, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, my sisters weren't overly interested in games. So no. <laughs> my mom, my mom would sometimes entertain me and play games, but yeah. I still love a good board game. I'm all for games. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. We, we love, love them too. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's still definitely kind of a go-to thing for us is to, to play some games with people when company mm-hmm. is around. So mm-hmm. yeah, my husband will say, I'm not a good loser. <laughs> His favorite story to tell is when we were dating, we played checkers, like giant checkers at Cracker Barrel. He, he claims, I don't remember this, but <laughs> I apparently was losing and flipped to the board at him, but I don't recall that. I feel like that's mm-hmm. aggressive behavior, oh. but he, oh. he strongly remembers like, <laughs> being very close to winning. And I'm like, nope, yeah. <laughs> game over. <laughs> I, uh, semi-similar story. Um, at the time, I think I was in middle school. 
I had my best friend over to the house. It was mm-hmm. winter. Uh, I think a really bad storm kind of came in while he was there. Mm-hmm. So he then was kind of stuck at sure. my house for like five days. <laughs> oh my gosh, and it's a long time. It's a long time. It's a, that's that'll test you. Holy um, smokes! I think by like day four, we had kind of started getting a little chippy. Sure. And I think we were playing monopoly oh that's a long one <laughs> and it, it, i mean that's just it's a it's a you know if you want to get mad at somebody that's a pretty Play monopoly fast yeah. track to get there so i think one of us if not both of us are lucky that a homicide or something wasn't committed that day because like we were playing we kept getting a little more salty and a little more salty. And I think we both got pretty pissed off. And my mom was like, okay, they're pretty mad. I'm going to make them go outside. So we go outside mm-hmm. and <laughs> I think we were both like, let's have a snowball fight thinking I'm going to mess the other kid up. And I'm getting out some pent up aggression. Yeah. It, it wasn't snow that was just like fluffy, nice snow. It was snow that was like coated in a ball of ice. Oh, that sounds painful. I mean, we were wailing (laughs) these like death balls at each other. And I think there was a point, neither of us got hurt. I think one of us, I can't remember which one of us, it probably was me, threw a snowball real hard and it like hit a tree and like broke bark off of the tree. And we were like, oh, that would have really hurt. And like all of a sudden the like beef was kind of squashed when we were like, someone almost died. (laughs) Oh, right. Someone almost died. Um, And then we kind of came back down, but we were kind of hovering at like a nine out of 10 in terms of like friendship anger rage status Mm -hmm, and uh mm -hmm. both went outside politely to murder each other (laughs) with ice balls and uh, thankfully both escaped unscathed but uh yeah so you made me think of that too that was uh i remember that thing vividly we both went outside and i think we both had this silent understanding of like i'm here to murder that's what i'm here to do well i think that's probably what is gonna currently occur in my home (laughs) (laughs) yes Blair has some thunderstorms coming in and it looks like that's, that's where she's at. So, oh, well, as you now have some entertaining to do, my friend, I think that uh, one, we will wrap up our little summarization of this episode. Yes. I will say thank you for grabbing Brie to come. Of course. I'm very thankful that she agreed to be on. So I think it was a wonderful opportunity for us all to learn and kind of celebrate her journey. That's the best part about this podcast. I think is like the opportunity to like meet people and hear their stories and everyone is so like kind and relatable. So I I love this community. Likewise. All right. Well, I'm going to, you know, because you're dying to probably reimmerse into the chaos. Of I'm Thunder really Storm. not, but I just think it keeps escalating. <laughs> <laughs> and in case anyone ever thought I had anything together in this home, I do not. I, have, <laughs> I am not the leader of tiny humans. I am <laughs> just their snack. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. Perfect. I serve that purpose. So. Perfect. Snack liaison. That's the Ooh, that's better. But you correct. know, this just doesn't have the mm-hmm. emphasis sometimes with the doesn't, demanding of the snacks doesn't. that happen. Nope. But I, I appreciate snack liaison. I am yep. the snack liaison that's and I'm just <laughs> 
<laughs> but just, you know, trying to keep it like PC since they could very well be outside the door. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All love. Just oh, so I love much you all. Love. Yep, I love you so much, kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to wrap this up for everybody okay. out there. We hope you guys Thanks are for joining us. having good times on your runs as yes. we get into the summer block of pure madness. So I know most people don't love the summer block, but I love the heat. I'm just like, yes, um, come on, heat. I think it's, I think it's like we hate it when it's happening we love it after it's after. done that's true right? yeah i just it's feel kind like, of like cleaning right yes, like it's you hate that's it what I was when say, you it's do cleansing it. yeah you feel i feel good like when it's done all done and i'm dripping yep. completely yep. i'm like look i worked hard yes. clearly that made an impact Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh all right everyone well thanks for coming along with us and until next time we will talk to all of you guys soon Thanks for listening to For Your Run, a podcast brought to you by For The Run. Special thanks goes out to all of our supporters on Patreon, whose contributions and support help us put this all together and get it out into your ears. If you're interested in becoming a member of the For Your Run pod family, you can learn more at patreon.com slash foryourrun. We hope this has been a pleasant break in your day, and we look forward to you bringing us along for your next run or whatever it is you have going on in your life. Till next time, run with heart and we'll talk to you soon.